Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Welcome. Good morning. We are excited that you are with us. Yes, I am Pastor Blake, and I just want to give a shout out to those joining us online. No matter what part of the country you are are watching us, we are excited you're joining us right now. And we know here locally, if you're physically with us. It's been a little wet, right? But we know that, hey, nothing's going to stop us and nothing is going to get in our way of knowing and growing in God. And again, I can't go any further without giving a special thanks to Pastor Goss for giving me this opportunity. Uh, again, he is a hero of the faith, and I'm so uh, uh, just just blessed given this opportunity to share with you this morning. Well, hey, let's dive in this morning. If you have your notes, join me here. Uh, we're going to be looking at this big idea. Now, I need your help. When you see it on the screen, if it's highlighted right here, help me with this. I need you, okay, pretend all of our masks are off and all of our masks are off and yell it as loud as you can. Okay, so here's our big idea. When it's highlighted, yell it back at me. All right, here we go. Let God become than pleasing people. Let me say that one more time. Let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people. That's the big idea that we're going to be looking at today and talking about. And uh, we're going to look at this story, Mark chapter 1, verse 32, 39. Now let's tee it up. Let's uh, see where we're at in this narrative. Now when we come to the story of Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 39, we see this story in the Bible approximately three times. We see it in the Gospel of Matthew. We see it in the Gospel of Mark, what we'll be looking at, and then we also see it in the Gospel of Luke. Now, these are known as the synoptic Gospels. It's a synopsis of Jesus's life, uh, an account, how Jesus lived, how Jesus walked, and uh, that's what these authors do. And they write in a certain audience, they write to certain audiences, and it's a very unique perspective. But there's definitely contrast. For instance, when we find this story in Matthew, it, it takes Matthew, this tax collector, this author in the very first book of the New Testament, it takes him about eight chapters okay, to get to this point of where Jesus is at in his life. During those eight chapters, Jesus is healing great multitudes. Jesus gives this great, uh, amazing message called the Sermon on the Mount. He heals this centurion servant, and Jesus' fame is just growing in the land of Galilee. Now, when we come to our account that we'll be looking at here in Mark chapter 1, it takes this author only 31 verses to get to where Matthew took eight chapters, okay? A verse is about a sentence or a sentence fragment. A chapter is compiled of sentences. So it's just unique. And so it's very important that we look at the 30,000 foot view of this whole entire story of what is happening in the account. So let's read this morning. You can just follow along in your notes. I believe it's scientifically proven. If you read, if you write, and you recite, you're better to retain this information and so we leave here better than the way we came in. Can I get an amen this morning? Let's go. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Okay, so this is where Jesus is at. He's at this man's house by the name of Simon, also known as Peter. Now, what just happened is this. Jesus preaches at the synagogue on the, the Sabbath day. Then he goes over to Peter's house. Okay, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, I, I don't know about you, anytime I get to that point in the story, I want to ask, do you think Jesus had a conversation with Peter saying, hey, should I heal your mother-in-law? 
Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You know, like you think that was a conversation? Well, hey, she sounds like a great woman because she goes on, she does amazing things. And uh, anyway, so that's always a question that pops in my mind. So anyways, we continue. So they're at Peter Simon's house. And this time, Jesus's fame is grown. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And this is where we get the tension because of the way Jesus responds. I love it. It's awesome. Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So when the people came, Jesus left. Jesus went. It is unique. Jesus does something that we wouldn't expect Jesus to do. And that's what we're going to be looking at. That's where we get our title, Let Them Look. Let's pray this morning if you'll bow your heads with me for the reading of God's Word. God, we pray that you continue to be with us, guide us, lead us, and we just continue to trust in you. And uh, may you make us better individuals than the way we came in and work on our hearts and our minds and our souls. In your great and holy name, all of us in this place and online say, Amen. There we go. So let me ask you a question. Would you consider yourself a people pleaser? Would you consider yourself a people pleaser? Now, let me, let me just frame it this way. If you're a millennial watching, if you're an Enneagram 2, you are probably a people pleaser. Okay, so maybe some of you are like, Pastor Blake, no, I'm not really a people pleaser. Like, I, I, I own my stuff. Like, I just march and I do what I want. Okay, let me frame it this way. How many of you have ever tried to make someone happy? Right? Like, you've tried to make someone happy. And in that process, now, if you're married, you know for sure, you try to make someone happy and maybe you failed a time or two, right? Like we want to please people. There's this sense of belonging. Sociologists describe we are a tribal people. We want to be accepted, we want to be connected, and we want to be liked. And that is part of our human nature. But it's interesting because the Apostle Paul, he speaks into what it means to be a people pleaser versus a God pleaser. And this is what he says in Galatians. Now, right now to this church, he is being accused of being a people pleaser. And he is pumping the brakes saying, no, 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 I'm not a people pleaser. And he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or I'm trying to please people. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we see this contrast, people pleasing, God-pleasing. He continues on in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. He says, but just as you have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to what? Please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Now we see this. This is a challenge. It's two incompatible ideas that I would say all of us wrestle with. We want to be accepted, yet we also want to please God. And we try to, on times, balance that line, walk on both sides of the fence. We see it in culture now, right? If you say anything offensive, you might be canceled. It's a challenge. But, uh, but, but the Apostle Paul is saying, focus on pleasing God. 
But that's where I'd say this leads us to our hang-up. Each of us have this tendency to be distracted and depleted by trying to please others. Well, here's a little funny cartoon when it comes to people-pleasing I thought was, was maybe uh, relevant for us this morning is this. This is our people-pleaser, our lady right here. Look, all of her faces are the same. She's happy, same face, bored, angry, terrified, depressed. And I love this one because if you know any really true, innate people pleasers, it's like they look the same, they're smiling, they want to be connected, and maybe you felt this way, but at the very last one, they're dying inside. Okay, well, let's continue. Look at this one. It says Friday night. Now, I think we've all been there before, right? This is what it says. What do you want to do? People pleaser ask. What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. I'm open to anything. What are you in the mood for? I don't know. How about you? People pleaser. Like we're trying to fit in, trying to be accepted. All right, and how about this one? We've all been, we've all been here. Here we go. Uh-oh. We're frozen. Okay, well, here we go. Oh, man. So can we get a reset? All right, there we go. We're just going to have to go with it. Cartoon number three is what I would describe as burritos. And this one is, have you ever been there in that moment? Uh, whenever you are in that, uh, that place where you ask that person to go to lunch with you. Oh man, we're not getting any action. Okay, well, this is going to be interesting. So have you ever been in that moment where you've asked someone to go to lunch with you, come to find out they don't even like that place you're going to lunch with? Like, but they're sitting there and they're thinking, okay, I will eat this food and we'll just go on with it and it is what it is, okay? People pleasers, they're at the innate core of all of us. We all want to be accepted and want to be in agreement. So here's what I want us to pick up. When it comes to pleasing God, let's unpack this idea a little bit. When it comes to pleasing God, we have to do our best to do these three things, okay? It's doing our best and forgetting the rest. It's we have to do our best to live in alignment with God's written word, Okay, Psalms 119 verse 133 says this, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any inequity have dominion over me. Now that's King James Version right there. Come on, my King James Version people. We use the word thy right there. So we do our best to live in alignment with God's word. Pastor Goss spoke into that last week. When it comes to pleasing God, we do our best. Uh, When it comes to pleasing God, we do our best to be aware of the Holy Spirit's leading. Jesus, when he left, when he departed, he gave us a helper, an encourager known as the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this, for all who have been led by the Spirit are the sons of God. When it comes to pleasing God, even at our best, we will at times fail. We will at times fail. There's this man by the name of Matt Emmons. Matt Emmons is a sharpshooter. He, in 2004, was in the Olympic gold medals. He was going into the final round. All he had to do to win the gold medal was hit the target. He, he, he went in the final round. He had it dialed in. He drops his scope. He hits the target. He shoots it. He didn't even have to hit the bullseye. He just had to hit the target. You see this picture, it's not before us right now because we're having some technical issues, but he's puzzled because when you see this picture, his mouth drops, he's stunned because he crossfires and shoots and hits the wrong target, but right in the bullseye. And in other words, when it comes to pleasing God, there are times we do our best, we shoot the target and we hit the target, but it's the wrong target. 
the idea behind it is doing our best. So today, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, do your best. So we're going to look at this story. Uh, here, we're going, to, we're going to look at our story. Oh, we're going to look at our story, Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to try to look in the text behind me, and we're going to look at it. So when it comes to pleasing God over pleasing people, this is what I want you to dive in. Point number one for us is this. We handle pressure directly. We handle pressure directly. It says in verse 32, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick of various diseases. Now it's interesting, right? We said that this story is in three different gospels. Okay, we have it in Matthew, we have it in Mark, and we have it in Luke. Well, in Matthew and Luke's account, when we see the word many, we see here in Mark, we see the word many. Well, in those accounts, it says all the people. See, when Jesus was hit with all these people coming to the doorstep of Peter's house, the pressure was amounting. Mark chapter 1, verse 28, it says Jesus' name grew across the land. He was, he was popular. He was like Blake Shelton coming to the Lee Civic Center, right? Like he rolled into town. People knew who he was. So Jesus could have done two things when the pressure amounted. He could have taken a step back, closed the door on the people and said, let me get my thoughts together. Let me, let me think about some things and then I'll get back to you. Uh, let, me, let me pray about it. Like how many of us, when we have some tough decisions our way, right? We, we like say, hey, let me close the door and like I'll be over here or we have that interview coming up in three days or we have that hard conversation that needs to happen. We take a step back and we say, well, let me think about it. And then we let this molehill become a mountain in our mind. I love what Jesus does. He says, people are coming to my doorstep. I am going to go head on and directly talk to them. I'm going to heal them. There's going to be critics in the crowd. There always are. But he's going to step out. His fame's grown and he's going to talk to them. He's going to address them. Whenever we have times in our life where the pressure is there, attack it directly. Yes, get counsel. Yes, observe, but attack it directly. Don't wait. Handle it. Uh, Dr. Sayon Blaylock, she's a University, uh, uh, University of Chicago psychologist. She's a phenomenal individual. She's spent her whole career, dedicated her whole life to understanding people and their epic screw-ups, their epic mistakes. And in other words, she wrote this book called Choke, Choking Under Pressure. She says what happens when the pressure arises, the prefrontal cortex of the brain becomes overwhelmed, comes, comes confused. So what was natural and what was uh, supposed to happen uh, with, without a thought, without a doubt, becomes something that that person has to think about it. For instance, a professional golfer, they can hit a golf ball a thousand million times and have perfect drives. But when the pressure to win that final round in that tournament amounts, they start thinking about doing something they've naturally done for years to come. Many times when pressure mounts, we start thinking different. Dan O'Brien, he, in 1992, uh, was known as the decathlete of the year. He was going to be this phenomenal man. He was picked to win the Olympics, Okay. The only problem is Dan O'Brien never made it to the Olympics. He made a mistake three times pole vaulting in the Olympic qualifiers, removed his uh, ability to even get in the Olympics. What was funny is, though, Dan knew in 1996, okay, that the Olympics were coming. That was his next shot. 
for the next four years after his epic failure. I mean, this guy was big in 1992. Reebok sponsored him. He was picked to win the Olympics, yet he didn't even go to the Olympics. When this happened, four years, he had to, uh, to stew, to look at his problem, to look at his issue. He said every day he watched his epic screw up. He watched his pole vaulting mishaps. So when 1996 came, he said, this is what happened. He is getting run, he's running in his memoir, Clearing Hurdles. He's running with a pole vault. He's jumping. And during that time, he is watching on the jumbotron his mistakes from 1992. Crazy. Can you imagine? He goes on later in 1996 to win the Olympic gold medal. And a reporter asked him, they said, uh, what, what happened? Like, how did you navigate that? He goes, I watched it. I was so prepared. I knew the pressure was going to be there. I dealt with it directly for the past four years so I could handle and move on. Jesus handled the pressure. Dan O'Brien handled the pressure. When pressure arises, we need to attack it, not let it get any bigger. So here we go for us today. When we let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people, we need to make God a part of the choices. I love verse 35 for our next two points. We're going to spend some time there. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Many times when it comes to decisions, we omit God from those decisions. We say, hey, you know what? I'm going to kind of just look at the facts. In fact, Dan and Chip, Chip Heath, they describe it when we look at the facts like this. We see the facts that right here, Jesus, the people are wanting Jesus. Jesus probably should have gone. In our humanity, Jesus probably should have gone to those people who were looking for him. But Jesus knew this. See, many times when we make choices, we see it in a certain light, a certain framework. We, we, we have a trouble thinking outside of this frame. We see our facts through our perception, Right? Well, what Dan and Chip Heath call this, they call this narrow framing thinking. I mean, anytime you need to make decisions, you need to get outside of your framework, consult people, and see a bigger, re see a bigger answer, see someone who knows more. What Jesus does when, the pre when, when it comes to pleasing God, you know what he goes to first? God. He goes, look, look, it, Jesus is thinking our humanity is something like this, right? It's in this framework. But God is operating outside of this frame. Look how much space we have from wall to wall, like even bigger than this. God is outside of this framework when we're thinking, when we're making decisions. So my encouragement to you is no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're battling, include God in those decisions. I love what James, half-brother of Jesus says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, ask God for wisdom. Jesus teaches us that the very next day. And here we go. When we let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people, we three, create times to be replenished. Now we have to understand in the story, in the context, Jesus just got done going head on with evil. He cast out demons. He rebuked the demons. He made people be quiet. He made the demons be quiet. He healed people. He gave a lot of himself. People are wanting him and wanting him. There's a celebrity complex. The higher you climb, the lonelier you get. That's why they say it's lonely at the top. If it's right or it's wrong, wherever you're at on the, on the pendulum of things, but it's lonely at the top because when Jesus is getting famous, when Jesus is doing these things, when he's preaching and teaching in the synagogues, 
he becomes more pressure filled on his life, but yet he creates times to be replenished. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. I love this little detail, before daybreak the next morning. It's the only detail we find in all three accounts. That means Jesus probably got up around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to get up and get alone with God. He focused an isolated time to get away with God. Whenever you are making decisions, whenever the pressure is surmounting, are you having adequate spiritual time? Are you having that time away to be replenished by God? I love it. Uh, I, I've encounters with people and, and we'll talk about it. And they'll say, I'm like, hey, why don't you go to church? Oh man, I had a long week at work. What's interesting is Jesus had a long night, but you know what he does? He prioritizes spiritual exhaustion or his spiritual replenishment over his physical exhaustion. So he's saying, hey, it's, it's spiritually, let me get recharged, and then physically, let me handle what I need to do physically. For some of us in this place, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're battling, look to be spiritually replenished first and foremost. I love, Jesus even has this encounter with his disciples later on in Mark chapter 6, 31. He says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. These men, they just get done feeding 5,000 people. They're tired, they're depleted, they're exhausted. And Jesus catches it and he says, you know what you need to do? You need to just rest. Some of us, maybe we need to put a phone stack on the family table and just hang out as a family. Schedule family dinners, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever works with your calendar, with your scheduling. Are we having adequate times to be replenished? When it comes to pleasing God, God wants you vibrant. God wants you uh, just thriving. But in order to thrive, to order to have energy, you have to be replenished. When it comes to pleasing God, when we let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people, we for redirect demanding people. And this, again, is where we get our attention. Later, Simon and others went out to find Jesus. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, when I talk about the idea of demanding people, I'm not talking about demonstrative demanding people. I'm talking about people who are just talking about their, their time or wanting your time or energy. Now, if you're a parent in this room, you know there's some demanding people out there. They're called your kids, right? Like, they demand your time and energy. I see parents like, oh yeah, like I'm in that season for sure. I can remember this one particular time. I'm teaching at a church in Las Vegas. Uh, I've been working on this guy. Hey, come, come to church. Young man, play uh, college division one basketball. Catalyst, like the kind of guy that he comes and meets the Lord. There's going to be a thousand other people affected by it. Crazy. His name's Brian. Finally been working on him three months, come to church, come to church. And he comes to church this one particular time I'm, I'm preaching and, and I'm like, God, yes, like I'm excited. Like 4th of July, fireworks in the heart, excited. And I'm preaching and I'm preaching and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care if there's a million people here, but this message is for Brian. You're gonna come and know the Lord. So I get done teaching, I come off the stage and I'm like, Brian, what's up? God opens an awesome door. We're talking God. I, I never would have thought, like this is a prayer answered in real time. We're, we're just chatting and we're chatting and, and he brought his mom he brought his friends I'm like God you're good man like I'm celebrating 50 feet behind him I see this guy I kid you not doing one of these numbers and I'm like sitting there like you know like someone you, they're behind that person you're talking to you're like 
are you talking to me? Like, you're not talking to me. I look behind. There's no one behind me. No one, there's no one behind me. I'm like, and he's like, you, points at me and says, come here. So me being a people pleaser, I walk over and I'm like, what can I help you with? Man, this guy lit me upside down, critiqued my message, spoke angry words to me. And I was like, man, I just spoke on loving God and loving people. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, I kept it ABC when it comes to the faith. And then at the end of the conversation, he goes, hey, can you go get me coffee? At this time, it's a scene. People are around. They're like, what's going on, Pastor Blake? And I was like, I had two decisions. I could have been that guy with the perception of, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go get you coffee. Or I go get him coffee to make everybody like, hey, look, I'm a servant. I have humility to me. And so I walk over. I go get him coffee 100 yards away. Grab him coffee, bring it back. During this time, during this conversation, Brian, his mom, his friends, they all leave. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? The one guy that I felt God wanted me to speak to is leaving. I'm like running out the parking lot. Brian, Brian doesn't hear me. He's on the phone, gets in his car, drive away. I'm like, all right, I got to text him because we we're supposed to hang out, try to do something. I text him. He goes, Pastor Blake, like my college, uh, they kind of up the summer schedule and I, I'm going to have to take off and I got some things I got to dial in today. That moment, I will never forget. I chose having an image, people pleasing, over having a one-on-one encounter leading a young man, a catalyst for the movement of what God has missioned me for. Broke my heart. Demanding people will always be there. Jesus knew that crowd was demanding. They wanted his time. They wanted his energy. We cannot let the demands of people dictate the direction of our lives. It's something that we need to capture, something we need to hold on to. And I, and I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, demanding people have the best intentions. See, in Luke's account, we actually see these people beg Jesus to stay. They wanted to create their Christian country club. They want to say, Jesus, stay here. We want you. They, they have great intentions. But that's where we have to focus at the mission of what God is putting in our lives and putting in our hearts. And that's even what Jesus will talk about that in a second. So let me just clarify this. If you're in here and you're a parent, guess what? Your kids are what? Demanding, right? If you're a teacher in here, guess what? Your students can be what? Okay, if you're a coach in here, guess what? Your players and and students can be what? Demanding. There we go. We're picking it up. Okay, if 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 you're a boss in here, guess what? Your employees can be what? Okay, if you are an employee and have a boss, your boss can be what? Okay, now let me get something real serious with you. If you have a spouse in here, guess what? Your spouse can be what? Amazing. Okay, so like... I like how my wife, she just yelled front row right here. All right, so when we let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people, we live out our purpose. Verse 38, but Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. And that's where we figure out Jesus's purpose right there, to preach and to teach to the other towns. He didn't want to keep the best kept secret bottled up inside one town. He wanted to share that message with other people. Right now, we live in a time where we want to be around people that think like us, that act like us, that look like us, that vote like us. But you know what Jesus said? It's not about that. It's about focusing on the mission that God's put in his life. He's saying, now I'm tasking you. Matthew chapter 28 says, go and make disciples. 
For some of us in this place, we get consumed missing our purpose. Jesus didn't miss his purpose. He knew he was going to be the light to a very dark world. We even see that. John chapter John chapter 6, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us. Some of you, the greatest words, the greatest message you can hear right now is that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that he could atone for sins, for mistakes, for consequences that you are owed. But Jesus bore that burden because he wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. See, Jesus understood, I have not come down into the world as I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Like we got one life to live. Are we gonna help people? Are we gonna pull people with ourselves and say, hey, come here, hear the mission, hear, hear the bigger perspective, hear the bigger play, see what God wants to do in your life. Purpose is found in God. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul, he writes this, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You might be in this place, like I'm wrestling with my purpose. Like I wake up, I work, I, I hang out with my kids. I'm nice to my wife. I wanna encourage you. Your purpose is wrapped up with God. In Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life book, uh, I, I go through it. If you've been in church anytime, you've heard of it. And uh, every year I, I try to go through it at least once and get a lot of the, uh, the meat and the context. In the very first chapter, he says, you gotta remember, the very first thing we need to understand is that it's not about us. It's not about us not about us. Our purpose, our identity isn't about us. It's not about the people right around us. It's about God. See, Jesus, he could have gone, his natural instinct would have said, hey, let me go back. Let me go back to these people who wanted me, who needed me, who thought it was the best kept, the best kept secret around. In town, they could have, they, I should have been there. Like that's our humanity. But Jesus then goes on and he, said, and he says, but I'm gonna go and preach to the other towns because that is my mission. That is why I came. Maybe you're in here and this is how you feel. Like a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a wave, a nothing, a no man. I wanna encourage you. When we focus on pleasing God, he has this way of putting everything in order for us where the people around us, the people that matter, start to be excited, start to say, hey, what's different about you? You're treating your characters changed. The way you live your life is changed, but it first begins with pleasing God. So I wanna encourage you, coming back to our big idea, let pleasing God become bigger than pleasing people. Make it, when you leave here, how am I gonna please God this week? Which leads me to our hope is this. Maybe you're in here watching online, wherever the case might be, wherever your relationship with God might be. I want to encourage you, you start by pleasing God by first starting to have a relationship 
with him. If you don't have a relationship God, with God, I wanna give you an opportunity to fill out our communication card, either online, at our corner. We have a gift from us to you and we wanna celebrate that you've made a decision to follow God. We wanna celebrate that you have starting a, a, a journey of pleasing God. And maybe some of us this week, you say, Pastor Blake, I, I have a relationship with God. Well, maybe you need to reflect personally on how you can become better at pleasing God than pleasing people. Maybe it's getting out of an unhealthy relationship or maybe having some tough conversations or maybe it's uh, reevaluating some of the things going on. And then the last point in this next week, in the upcoming days, how will you redirect the demands of people to focus on the greater priorities in life? I wanna encourage you, each of us, your, your family's priority, your spouse's priority, God's priority, living a healthy life, healthy habits are priorities. People can deplete us when we try to make everybody happy, but God has a way to fill us up whenever we try to please him, whenever we try to seek his replenishment. So I wanna ask you this question, what do you need to do this week to redirect maybe some of those people who are asking of our time and energy, like the way Jesus did, to then focus on what are some of my priorities in life, where I can wake up in the morning and get alone with God, where I can pray at night, where I can have a real meaningful conversation or date with my spouse. What are some things that we need to evaluate? So we're gonna pray this morning and I'm just gonna ask everybody to stand with me. And uh, as we pray, I just wanna ask that, you, you're just asking, Holy Spirit, move in my life. God, move in my life right now. Whatever was spoke today, May we take it. Whenever the gospel is revealed, we know God does big things. That's what we believe. Thank you for being here. And for those who made a decision, we want to celebrate that with you. God, with every eye closed and head bowed, we just honor you. We say thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you, to praise you, to look at your word. God, we want to be about pleasing you than pleasing anyone else be distracted by anyone else. God, may we make it about you. God, right now there's some individuals watching online or here in this room that are starting a relationship or exploring a relationship with you. God, we want them into your kingdom. We wanna celebrate that. God, you rejoice of that. I pray that your, your hand becomes upon their life and that they begin a relationship that's so vibrant, that's so real, that has so much passion that they go and change the world, that they are the light in a dark world. God, for some of us in this place, we're battling and we're wrestling with this idea of people pleasing and we're depleted, we're distracted and we're, we're, we're empty. God, I pray that you give them a, a rejuvenation, a, 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 new, a, a, a new energy. I pray that they leave here being focused on you, making sure that they're spiritually in alignment with you. God, move in those individuals' lives, move in our lives as we celebrate and honor you. So God, again, thank you for giving us this opportunity to celebrate your name. Move here, be with us, and may we leave here better than the way we came. In your great and holy name, we all say, Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning.
Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.